This week's episode is a trip into the archives. We'll be listening to the walkthrough I recorded for the Keeping Her Keys book about four years ago. And you might be wondering, well, why are we doing this? I'll tell you why. Because it's the fourth anniversary of the Keeping Her Keys book. And when I wrote the Keeping Her Keys book all those years ago, I never imagined that the book I felt so compelled to write would resonate with thousands and thousands of Hecate's witches around the globe. I am always humbled by the messages I receive daily from all of you who are so touched and transformed by that book. I truly feel that I was a channel for that book. It was a book that needed to find its place in the world. The Keeping Her Keys book is perfectly imperfect, as I like to say. If you have a copy, you know there's some typos and a little bit of other wonkiness in the pages, but that doesn't interfere with the magic that's contained therein. I'm happy to report that I've spent the past year revising each of the chapters. Right now, you can find those revised chapters by joining the Keeping Her Keys read-along. And if you're listening to this, you can unlock so much more with that book by joining the Keeping Her Keys read-along. This is designed as a course in Covina, the Coven of Hecate, my online school, where you can go deeper with PDFs of those chapters, the revised chapters. We read the chapters together. There's me on a recording and you can light your candle and read your book. And I also provide um, exercises and more. There's also recorded classes associated with all of the lessons. So not only do you get the read-along videos, the PDF of the revised chapters, you also get two or three hours of recorded classes going deeper into the lessons with every chapter in the book. This has been such a passion project of mine. And in the book, I talk about passion, kindness, and integrity. And for me, revising the book and offering this read-along course has been a way to claim those keys. I wasn't happy with the typos in the book. It's a thing that happened. You know how it is. Sometimes things just happen the way they happen in spite of our best efforts. And for me, the key to integrity unlocked needing to do a revised version of the book. I have such passion for that book and I have such passion for all of you who answer Hecate's call and pick up a copy of that book. You're so brave. You are so brave. And you have the passion too. You've got that sacred fire, that torch fire of Hecate burning within you. And then kindness. To me, kindness is about being able to offer a really immersive coven experience of the book at a super low price. 
So that's how I'm PKIing the Keeping Her Keys book by offering this read-along that contains those revised chapters and so much more. You'll also find a really vibrant community chat. There's sharing circles. This is just me telling you like it is. Um, if you listen to my work, you know I'm a no-bullshit kind of gal. Come and join the read-along. A new cycle is starting up as I'm recording this. So May the 15th, I'll be launching the introduction in Lesson 1. There's a great community of Hecate's witches waiting for you in Covina, in the read-along. So come on in. And if that's not your thing, enjoy this episode. And thanks so much for being with me on this journey. I call everyone who's here in the pod with me, you're all listening. I call you the Pubbin. You know, it's podcast and coven put together because we really are like a coven. You're listening, you're learning, you're writing to me. You know, we're a coven, we're a puvin. So hang out today in the Keeping Your Keys puvin and listen to this one from the archives. Before we jump into that, I've got to do Hecate's help desk for the week. So this week, the question is, I don't have an audio for this question. So the, the question is, why do you say it takes a year to go through the Keeping Her Keys book? I've read through it and the exercises seem really simple and I think I could do it like in a couple of weeks. So this question, my witches, my puvin witches, there's only one answer. I wrote the book to be done over a year. Now in Covina, we do it about, I think it's about 11 months. It's slightly under a year. So everyone can graduate around the time of Beltane. So we kind of push it a little bit, but the chapter on divination is really short. If you've read the book, you know, come to Covina. We've got so much more. We've got a whole course on Hecate's Oracle. Um, that's how the book was designed. That's how the book wanted to be a year and a day course, like in that kind of tradition of witchcraft, where courses take a year and a day, the book is designed to be done that way if you're doing it on your own. I know some of those exercises are really simple, and some of them you can do quite quickly. The way to unlock the transformation that those exercises potentially offer you is to pace yourself according to the pace as it is written in the book. It's not a sprint. These are exercises that will work on you afterwards. And if you listen to my re recent interview on the Salty Wishes, we did this whole thing on spiritual bypassing and rushing through the book, my witches, my puvin witches, that is spiritual bypassing. Take your time. The book is magic. The book came through me. Uh, sometimes I like to say, well, I don't even think I really wrote it, though I know I did. But but it's just, it's a year. It's a year. Let it be a year and you will be transformed. And like I said, in the coven, we do it a little bit faster so everyone can graduate around Beltane. But it, you know, but there's lots and lots of time. So if you're, if you can, 
join me in Covina for the new cycle of the Keeping Your Keys read-along. If you're called to deeper study, we have the Hecate's Keys program, which goes much deeper into my books and just a wonderful, wonderful program. If none of this works for you, hang out with me here in the Pavin. I'm here most weeks on Thursdays, usually releasing new episodes. If you have any ideas for episodes or questions, send them to info at keepingherkeys.com. And now let's listen to the original Keeping Her Keys book audio guide. Hello and welcome to this bonus audio class with me, Cindy Brannan, the author of Keeping Her Keys, An Introduction to Hecate's Modern Witchcraft. I wanted to make this audio just to talk a little bit more about doing the book because, of course, since you're listening to this, you have a copy of the book in your life now and... You know, you may have begun the book or you're planning to begin the book and you may just be wondering about what I think about how you should go about doing the book. Uh, you know, I've got asked so many questions about the book and before I begin talking about the book, I want to just talk about a couple other things. So I've gotten a lot of requests to have a study group for the book. There is a study group for the book right now that you can join by going to the Keeping Your Keys Facebook page. So that study group is just for all of you who are engaging with the book and doing the book as a self-directed course. Now, speaking of courses, of course, the book is the foundational text for Hecate's Modern Witchcraft, The First Key. And I just want to talk a little bit about kind of the Keeping Your Keys tradition and how the Keeping Your Keys School of Witchcraft works. So I teach two courses, Hecate's Modern Witchcraft, which has three levels, the first key, the second key, and the third key. They are the red key, the black key, and the white key, if you want to add colors to them. Only the red key, the first key, um, is available for public application because in order to be considered for the second key or the third key, a successful completion of the first key is required. That was a lot of, a lot of keys in there. Hail, Kleidokus. Um, in the course, like I said, the text is the foundational uh, document and we build from the course so a lot of times you you know you might be wondering if it's worth taking this course i've already got the book i'm working through the book the book is a self-directed course what is um signing up for this intensive program like how is that going to be different i just want to say that you know we take the book as the foundational text but that each lesson comes with a book of shadows for me that's usually around 40 to 50 pages, so about 10,000 words. So if you think of it in terms of what you're getting just in terms of written content for me, you're getting roughly the equivalent of three books for me. 
that builds upon whatever is talked about in the lesson. So like each lesson that's in the book, you're going to get, you know, a whole much more deeper exploration with um, really some of the key keeping our keys traditions concepts explained some concepts like the Hecatane chords and the Kleist, which are the personal development concepts for each lesson. Uh, really in-depth Goetia and Pharmakeia about working with spirits of animals and plants. Um, so much deeper. And we have the whole system is uh, based on the use of symbols and sigils and symbola. And symbola are magical gifts that are given to us in, you know, the other worlds. So when we have a journey or other mystical experience with Hecate, in the course, we work with the energy that gifts will come forward. And then we create uh, material world representations of them and they become our magical tools, our magical objects that we work with that are very sacred and very unique to us. And we work extensively with the inner temple. Some of you who are part of the witch's realm may be familiar with the inner temple that I lead people to when we do our circles and our events. So in, in Hecate's Modern Witchcraft, students really experience their own inner temple, building their own inner temple, a lot of astral road, sorry, astral realm, starry road work. We go deep into the underworld with Hecate's cave, and then we walk the middle world, uh, the middle world that is the unseen middle world of force that's all around us. And we do this, and we have the experiential journey to Hecate's mystical garden. So those are the three different aspects that we really work with. So the Starry Road, uh, which is Hecate's Hall, Hecate's Cave of the Underworld, and in the Middle World, Hecate's Garden. And our portal that we travel to all these places is through our own inner temple that which is sacred and holy within us. And it's about that which is sacred and holy to Hecatean witchcraft. And as you know, if you've been reading the book, uh, my mission is to just provide a space and support for people, practitioners, witches, who are drawn to Hecate, called by Hecate, Feel it in their DNA that they are her chosen and that you can develop um, core competencies of witchcraft that for me consist of personal development, spirituality, and, you know, and actively practicing witchcraft, not sitting in an armchair or practicing witchcraft. You got to get out there and do it. You got to get dirty. And, you know, that's very much what um, you know, keeping your keys is all about. It's like, here's some core skills. Um, we're going to look to the history of the witches, Hecate's witches throughout history. They have so much to teach us. And we're going to do that. But we're really going to build a practice, a relationship with Hecate that is unique to who I, you know, who each of us are. 
and that's really you know so it's not a dogmatic approach and the book is not a dogmatic approach either and you know sometimes I get criticized for that you know some people will say oh you know I just want to be told what to do or you know like I've had one criticism that was like you know I spend too much time on the history and another criticism is that I cherry pick from the history I try to look to the past, plan for the future, and be in the now. And the way I write and teach witchcraft is very much about that. Look to the history always. That's where we can learn from the history. And anticipate the future and creating a magical life, a life that is authentic and true to who we are as witches. The book, of course, will get you well on your way. You can completely do the book as a self-directed course, but I did want to talk a little bit about the intensive program in case you are curious as to the differences between the book and, and the program. And if you're interested in the program, you want to know a little bit more about the second and third levels. So the second key is about becoming uh, a guardian, someone who can serve as a protector to those who are finding their way. So some is focused on healing and supporting others. And then in the third level, it's becoming about becoming a gatekeeper, uh, a priest or a priestess, if you prefer that language, someone who is completely trained in the keeping her keys perspective and can go forth in the world, lead the courses themselves, lead study groups themselves, leave rituals themselves. So that's basically how the three levels work. Now, I also teach um, a secular witchcraft course called the Sacred Seven that a lot of witches take in preparation for Hecate's Modern Witchcraft, the first key. Since it is, I call it an intermediate level witchcraft, and it's just like the book is kind of an intermediate level witchcraft uh, book too. You know, I'm not in the book really talking about basic practices of witchcraft. I'm starting from the position that if you've chosen to read the book, you know, if you're a follower, keeper of the keys, if you and I connect on some level, then most likely, you know, you're a very articulate, clever witch uh, who's done a lot of healing work, who has a commitment to personal development. And so the book is very much in that wheelhouse. So I hope you enjoy the perspective of the book. When I set out to write Keeping Her Keys, I really wanted to write the book about Hecate and witchcraft that I wished I had had. When I first started out on this path uh, quite a few years ago now, well over 10 years ago, with Hecate, you know, I'd been a witch for a long time before that, I kept looking for a book that said, here's a witchcraft that is a sacred witchcraft, so sacred in the sense that honoring Hecate as the goddess and sacred in the sense that the divine within me was being celebrated. I kept looking for a book like that that was about witchcraft and I couldn't find this book anywhere. So I set out to, uh, to piece together um, Hecate and witchcraft as I understood it. It took me a lot of places and if you read the book and if you're like me you're a fan of like comparative religion and you enjoy 
um, understanding different witchcraft perspectives, you'll see little bits from all kinds of paths incorporated in the book. And that's been, you know, the book is the result of my journey, my 10 year plus journey of piecing together practices that made sense to me and that were in keeping with and in honoring ancient Hecate, but also brought Hecate into the 21st century. Because I think where we're at now is very different than where the world was at, say, almost 3,000 years ago when Hesiod wrote his Theogony. Very different place. While I share his ardor of Hecate and his passion that Hecate is an all-goddess, that she rules over land, sea, and sky, and that all other deities bow down to her, I don't share the same world that Hesiod lived in, you know, and I believe that the universe is always adapting and evolving and that change is a constant part of creation. You know, it is the vital force of creation is, is change, the cycle of creation and destruction, life, death, rebirth, fallow and fruitful. The cycles are always changing. Now, that being said, there, of course, are some core things that don't perhaps change. And I think those core things, you know, if you talk about, there's a lesson in the, the book on understanding Hecate, it's about taking that um, mixture of knowing the history and also your experience of Hecate. And because knowing the history really will deepen your experiential understanding of Hecate. You know, with, with, I think when we rely completely just on personal gnosis, we miss a certain layer of understanding whatever force it is we're working with, Hecate or the elements. We miss something when we don't tap into what other people have thought about this. It's a way of connecting. We don't have to agree or necessarily even understand with what they've written or said or done, but there is the opportunity there for us to say, oh yeah, you know, you see it this way. I don't quite see it that way, but I appreciate and I am inspired by your written works. And I think when it comes to looking at the past, that's really what we're doing is being inspired by those ancient practitioners or those ancient writers. And when it comes to Hecate and witchcraft, of course, we're blessed with almost 3000 years of history. We're blessed with a very diverse understanding of Hecate and having a broad understanding of historical Hecate really reveals that she was a diverse goddess, that just like today, so many of us have different understandings of her. That's kind of how she's always been. It's not something new. What is new is the, the idea that she is a crone goddess, that she's never been perceived throughout history as a crone goddess in any of the historical records that we have. Now, this is accepting kind of like what happened uh, when Shakespeare got his hands on her and uh, there was another play written, there's a couple other plays written around the same time that kind of reduced her to this haggard witch. But of course, that haggard witch um, image of her was really just an attempt 
to limit her powers and for men to control her. And I think it's such a gift that we live in this day and age when we have so much freedom. And, you know, we, um, at least in terms of the legal situation, we have religious protection and witchcraft is no longer a crime. So, you know, I can write books like I do and you can read books and like you do. Even if the circumstances of our life may be that we're not completely out of that broom closet with the people that we live with. But still, there is a certain thing there that we're most likely not going to be um, tortured or murdered for being a practicing witch. But I think, you know, being out of the broom closet is a really excellent topic to discuss when you're embarking on you know, doing the book as the year-long course. The, if the book is really designed to just draw out of you that witch that is so connected to Hecate's eternal essence. And, you know, it can vary in how you understand it, but she does have certain roles that have withstood the test of time and that in the past decade or so, I've observed um, that they exist today through the words of all of the practitioners of Hecate and witchcraft. So her enduring role as an underworld goddess is really where we can turn to for so much emotional healing. It's about facing our fears. She is fierce. She is Brimo. She is Cathonia. She's all these things. Now, on the other hand, of course, she is Anodia, Anodia of the road. So this is the epithet most often associated with Hecate of the crossroads. And the whole connection of the crossroads to the underworld is so strong because, of course, it was at the crossroads where the ancients believed um, that her horde, you know, those restless spirits of demons and the unwanted dead uh, where they resided and that she was at the crossroads as their mother you know their goddess the leader the leader of her horde and also the leader of course of her hounds and her other animals and in the lesson on correspondences in the book I talk a little bit about some of her key animals I talk about the serpent which is, a, you know, associated with the upper world Hecate. So the upper world Hecate, in terms of our historical, historical records, comes to us from uh, primarily what's known as Neoplatonic philosophy. So you may not know anything about Neoplatonic philosophy. But when Hecate was written about in the Chaldean oracles and in some other sources, she was seen as more of a force, a force that existed beyond the material world and outside of the underworld. And for some of these writers, she was a force. She was the anima mundi. She was the force that gave birth to all of the known world. And from this aspect, she was very associated with the moon. And she was often sometimes called the moon or she was given governance over the moon. And it's interesting 
when we think about Hecate as being of the upper world of the starry road, that she, according to the myth, of course, she was born, her mother was the stars. Her mother was Hysteria, and her father was a god of destruction, of darkness. So when we look at her origin, her parentage, we see that Hecate from conception was a blending together of the dark and the light. And that through Hecate we have, we can fully comprehend that without darkness, there is no light. And that the darkness is the primal force upon which the light was created. You know, when we think of modern science and what, what we're learning about the importance of dark matter, and that even at the molecular structure, it's the spaces between the molecules and the atoms where the magic happens, that without this, there would be no life. So when I hear these scientific reports like this, I'm like, oh, yeah. So that's very much in keeping with the perspective of Hecatean witchcraft is that these two forces coexist and that the dark is primal and that it is through the darkness where her we see her torches and it is in the darkness where we find our own truth. Now that's not to discredit, you know, the starry road or even more solar aspects of Hecate because she certainly can be seen as having governance over uh, the sun as well. But it's to say that all life comes from a dark, wet womb. And here, as you work through this course, you're emerging from that womb. You're beginning with the commitment ritual, which is your initial birth. And then when you work through to initiation, it becomes your rebirth. You can call yourself a guardian of keeping of her keys. You can choose to become more involved with the work of keeping her keys, however Hecate leads you. There are some core concepts to the keeping her keys tradition that I thought it would take just a few moments to explain a little bit more about. So in the keeping her keys tradition, there are seven basic forces. The star of seven, Hecate's crown, is um, has historically and always been featured with seven rays. So this crown has seven rays and it corresponds to our star of seven. So the underworld is the realm of emotions, the home of Hecate's cave. The middle world is the home of Hecate's Enodia of the road. And it is the location of Hecate's garden. The upper world is the realm of um, Hecate Astroidia or Hecate Anima Mundi or even Hecate Empolios, but most most uh, often it's associated with Hecate as uh, Cleidocus, Keeper of the Keys, because in the original text, calling her Keeper of the Keys was referring to mysticism, you know, that upper world mystical energy about oracular work, which is very different than like the underworld um, emotional nature of witchcraft. Upper world is intellectual, mystical, underworld, uh, emotional, magical about witchcraft. And the middle world is the land of everyday life. But it also has that unseen force 
that bounds the middle world together. And those the unseen forces that bind the middle world together are best understood using the four elements. So fire, air, water, earth. Hecate has many epithets that associate her with these archetypal forces. You know, Chthonia for uh, which literally means of the earth, all of her fiery epithets, like the Hierospir, she is the holy fire uh, itself, Hecate as Enalia, um, goddess over the seas, and Hecate's more upper world in, uh, epithets that associate her with air um, and breath and flight and her various animals that she's associated with. So, and I do include a whole section on the epithets and throughout the book, you'll see many epithets. There's so many more. And again, in the intensive program, we go deeper into that catalog of epithets. So that's a little bit about the three worlds. And for this book, uh, in referring to Hecate's animals, she has so many animals associated with her. And of course, there's the ones that we personally um, associate with her that may be our power animals. Like for me, it's elephant, owl, fox, um, that may not be traditional, but they're just as valid as even the most traditional ones, like of course, her glorious hounds. So her hounds are associated with the, um, the underworld, Cerebus. In the middle world, it's the horse, Equus. And in the upper world, it's the, the divine serpent, the Ouroboros, the circle of life, the beginning and the end. And serpents um, across cultures and history were often seen as symbols of birth, of symbols of mysticism, of symbols of just understanding the divine. And that's really why serpent belongs to the upper world. Um, you know, and if we, yeah, and those are just a little bit more about her animals and the three worlds. Now, of course, as above, so below, as within, and so without. So we see the three worlds represented in us. We have an emotional lower self, the active middle self, and the more intellectual upper self. These three selves combine within us to make our unified whole. Now, within the middle self, we have aspects that are also representative of each of the four elements. Air, my breath. Water, my blood. Earth, my body. And fire, my spirit. And so that's how we situate the elements as part of our corporeal existence here in this world. So that gives the star of seven for the forces and the star of seven uh, for each of us as individual Hecatean witches. Now, here's the interesting thing that, of course, just like the external world is both that of form and force. So the forms of the lower, middle and upper world are sea, land and sky within us. We have these three selves that are you know, embodied, that we have conscious access to, 
But we also have three souls that have underworld aspects, middle world aspects, and upper world aspects. We have our onborn, eternal, etheric spirit self that is the unified whole of this. Now, for those of you who follow my work, um, you'll know that I, um, one of my main areas of concentration outside of, you know, this book and a few other things is really what I call recovery from shadow syndrome. So when we think about the three selves and the three souls, we add that layer on top that each of the three selves and each of the three souls has a shadow aspect as well. And they combine together to make unified wholes. So we are these three wholes. We are shadow. We are self. We are, sorry, we are embodied self. And we are spirit self. And if we take the three souls, the three selves, the three shadows, and then they become all that we currently are in this current incarnation. Now, how do we connect what is within us to what is without us? Well, one of the core concepts of the Keeping Your Keys approach is that the divine resides within us. It's based on the kind of holographic principle that all things are contained in all things. And that's a really fundamental principle of witchcraft as well when we talk about like drawing out spirits and working with correspondences. But for now, think of, you know, Hecate as the force, um, that there's other deities, of course, and spirits, but she is the anima mundi, and she resides as this force within us, and that she is represented by, sorry, she's, um, from her womb come these Hecatean currents, and these currents are grouped in terms of underworld, middle world, and upper world. And these currents exist inside of us as well. And these are what, in Keeping Your Keys, is called the Hecatean Chords. So when you're doing the workings of this book, you're unleashing those Hecatean Chords. And in the intensive program, we really, really get into working with those Hecatean Chords. So that's a little bit more about the overall perspective of the Keeping Your Keys tradition. Now, there are some core concepts I've mentioned previously from Hikaya and Goisha. So working with spirits is very much at the, the heart of Hecate and witchcraft, whether it's um, how you and I practice it today or how it was practiced three years ago. With the spirits that we summon, that's basically a definition of Goisha, um, may vary between us and across time, but it is the fundamental practice of summoning spirits. Now, these spirits can come from plant in the practice of pharmakeia, stone in our modern practice of crystal work and stone spirit magic, and animal spirit magic. There's also colors, shapes, symbols, numbers, letters, and of course, the voices magicae, the magical voices, the words of power that come to us from ancient sources, and also our modern words of power that we use. So there's so many spirits that we work with. 
So Keeping Her Keys, An Introduction to Hecate's Modern Witchcraft, is a book that's full of spirits. And I wanted to present this uh, dialogue about working with spirits in a language that really matched 21st century understanding in terms of personal development and spirituality. Now, the Hecatean symbols in the book, so this book you may have noticed on the cover in the corner uh, is what's known as Hecate's Wheel or the Strophilus. And if you do follow my work, you've probably noticed that uh, I use the Strophilus quite a bit in different imagery. You know, I have the Hecate's Wheel of the Year um, annual book of shadows. I publish an article using the you know, her Strophilos as the Wheel of the Year. So there's lots of information out there that I've shared with you based on, you know, kind of her channel transmissions to me and also, I guess, what makes sense to me. So this book is very much of Hecate's wheel, which is the dominant symbol for the middle world, Hecate, Hecate and Nodia. Um, the book, you know, will take you down into the underworld for some emotional aspects and up to the upper world for sure. But the, the overall energy is of the middle world. You know, that's where we begin in the more balanced middle world. And then the second book, which will be out in 2020, um, features more, it gets, you know, we get deeper into the underworld. It's about the bone dance. It's about stripping down and getting rid of all that holds us back. And it's just a deeper, deeper walk into Hecate's cave. And then the final book, which hopefully will be out in 2022, um, is all about the upper world Hecate, so a lot of mystical work, planetary magic, um, all those kinds of things. But we're beginning here at the beginning with Hecate's wheel. And there's several exercises in the book that focus on Hecate's wheel. You know, there's the stro salt strophalos altar that you can make, casting the strophalos. There's lots of different techniques for working with the strophalos. And that because this is the middle world book where we begin our training, that that is the symbol that we work with the most. So the torch belongs to Hecate of the underworld and the keys are for Hecate of the upper world. Um, so I think that's probably quite a bit all about the overall perspective of the Keeping Her Keys tradition and how things are organized, you know, at the larger level. In terms of your individual experience with the book, um, I really want to emphasize that doing the commitment ritual at the beginning really will evoke um, Hecate's blessing over your work, and it will create the energy within you and around you to help ensure that your work with the book, the course, is blessed and it is true. It's really important to start with that commitment ritual. I spent, you know, months, uh, you know, when I was writing the book, coming up with the structure of the book, and there was just so many, you know, I would have lessons here or there, and, you know, just the process of writing a book that is, you know, guided by 
um, Hecate's wisdom, but also, you know, be, having to be something that would be doable um, given our busy lives and would make sense to 21st century Hecatean witches, it was a challenge. Um, so, you know, you're about to embark on this huge challenge of completing the course that is in this book. And let me tell you, developing the book was a huge challenge in some ways. Although a lot of it was just like divinely given to me by our dark mother herself, she doesn't actually, you know, give like the full complete lesson. It's like, this is what I want you to do. And then I'm like, well, okay, that sounds really great. You know, I want you to demonstrate an easy way that practitioners of mine can understand the power of my wheel and that my wheel is not a flat symbol that's just a bumper sticker. It is a three-dimensional force. It is the forces, you know, of the world that is represented in the wheel. The wheel is the planet Earth. The wheel is the universe. The wheel is Hecate. She walks the wheel and we walk the wheel. And it's so how do I, as, you know, someone who is trying to listen to what um, my goddess says to me, how do I share that with others so that they too can understand the true power of the Strophilos? It whirs, it spins, it is the forces combined. It's just the most beautiful, elegant um, structure, gift that she's given us to help us understand um, the material world and the world of force. But getting that to the point um, where I had an exercise that could be written and shared with others and then um, having others do the exercises and then revising them when, uh, you know, if something wasn't quite right, it was a long process. There was a lot of, I call them uh, come to Hecate moments, you know, where I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. And uh, I don't know if I can do what you've given me honor. Uh, if I am, you know, strong enough, clever enough, if I have the right words. So there was a lot of that. There was a lot of laying on the living room floor, a lot of um, being down on my knees or in child's pose, just saying, like, help me get this out of me. This has all been given to me, and I need to find the way to get it out of me so that it can help people the way it has helped me. It's just been such a process, and it's such a gift. Like, I am so fortunate to be um, in this position and, you know, I do think that we're all just bozos on the Hecate bus. And I'm kind of like the, the noisy one at the front of the bus who's like organizing everybody and saying, okay, here's what I think we should do. Um, but everybody can do their own thing. But this is just what I think. But um, who's driving the bus? I think we're all driving our own buses. Anyway, we're all bozos on the Hecate bus. We're all in this together. I'm in this with you. And again, you know, there's that Facebook study group. You can connect with me through email always at cindy at keepingherkeys.com. And you can uh, connect with me on Facebook or Instagram. So.
So I thought we would just, uh, oh yeah, I wanted to talk a couple more minutes about the structure of the book. Okay, so the structure of the book, lots of thought and planning went into the structure of the book. There are a couple of lessons uh, in particular. So the book is designed to be done, you know, straight through. You start with work on yourself. You start with understanding um, Hecate deeper. You move into practicing witchcraft. We begin on ourselves and then we then we move into the witchcraft. Witch heal yourself and then heal others. You know, like get your shit together and then you can create the life that you've always wanted. We have to start at the start. There are a couple of lessons that are perfectly okay to kind of mix up the order. The lesson on Hecate's wheel. Um, if, you know, you want to create Hecate's wheel for the calendar year, which is how I usually do it, even though I kind of see that there's three different years. There's the, the witch's year that starts November the 1st. There's the school year because uh, I'll forever be an academic, and then there's the calendar year. So the witch's year works on um, Kairos time, which is the bending, shifting, twisting uh, time of Hecate, where Hecate resides with. And then there is, oh, and there's chronological time, which is the time, you know, of the calendar, of the minutes and hours and days so kairos time you know like the the eternal cycle of the moon the eternal cycle of the seasons uh even and how they vary given where we live so you know if you want to tap into the energy of where you live and and build that into your wheel of the year and move when you start that lesson to either you know like october so you'll do it for november to november or if you want to do it in december so you have it for january so feel free to move that lesson if you want um, there's another lesson in there the lesson on hecate's garden which if you know you're starting this book and uh, you know the verdant world is exploding all around you and you want to uh, move ahead to that um, you know I've designed it that you can move ahead to that as well uh, you know like plant magic pharmacaea is of course a really intensive form of witchcraft and getting into those plant spirit connections and developing a relationship with a plant spirit you know I certainly have like familiar plant spirits that I work with right now I have two on the go I have Mr. Philip Mandrake who is um, of American Mandrake, and I have Daughters of Circe, who is filled with um, botanicals that evoke the divine feminine. So she's got black cohosh in her. So it's really, but you can totally do the Hecate's Garden lesson out of order. Um, a note about the going kind of back to the wheel of the year, something else I wanted to say, not in terms of the order of the book, but just in terms of order of doing of the lunar cycle, which I should talk a little bit about the Hecatean lunar cycle. So the Hecatean lunar cycle is a little bit different than the lunar cycle that you may be familiar with. So the Hecatean lunar cycle both starts and ends on the astrological new moon. The astrological new moon is known as the dark moon in Hecatean witchcraft. 
it is the night of the dipnon, which is the traditional leaving of sacrifices to Hecate at a crossroads. And keeping in mind, of course, that the crossroads can be something that you set up entirely on your altar. I've made tripods on my altar as uh, crossroads. It doesn't need to be, um, you know, the midnight walk with her spirits, although I do highly recommend that if you can do that in a safe way, it is a profound spiritual experience. Um, so that's a little bit about the, the dipnon and the dark moon. And Numenia, or the new moon, is the beginning of the month um, when the first sliver of light appears. So the, the lunar cycle ends and begins on the astrological new moon. But then the first day, the first full day, is celebrated the following day when there's a first, the first sliver of uh, the moon becomes visible again. And this is based on ancient practice, and it is based on, uh, you know, kind of the various Greek ancient calendars. They had different names for the months uh, in the ancient Mediterranean, but most of them use this system of the dark moon being the beginning and ending of the month. And another note is that it can be a little bit tricky if you want to do like a precise uh, dipnon ritual. And again, it can be any kind of sacrifice. And your sacrifice can be your words of venerating Hecate, of saying a petition, setting up a beautiful altar, you know, making, um, doing a devotional cycle where you sacrifice something for uh, a whole lunar month, which is something that we do in the program. and be all these things. Um, but there's a lot of times there's questions about when do I do this? So in Hecatean witchcraft, our days, again, and you're going to think like we're talking about, there's chronological time. So days begin and end at midnight. But then there's Kairos time, which is the eternal uh, time that is not chained to the clock. It is chained to the forces of Hecate's Anima Monday. So this is the day begins and ends at sundown. So if the astrological dark moon, uh, astrological new moon occurs after sundown, but before the next sundown, then it's celebrated that evening. So for example, if the sun goes down at 8.57 p.m. and the astrological new moon is the next day at 5.23 p.m., you would the precise moment to do the dip note if you wanted to be super precise um, would be the night before not the night after the astrological new moon now that's a, just a big technical explanation that being said you know always give yourself 24 hours grace around doing um, the dark moon ritual to hecate and you know keep it as simple or as complex as needs be given your contacts where you're at spiritually and then Numenia celebrate the new moon when the new when the moon is new and that that is uh, the waxing moon when the moon is starting to come back to us and so we work with a slightly different system of lunar energy in that we have the dark moon the new moon so dark moon Numenia new moon are two distinct things and in, I guess, the chronological or the chronos world, uh, those are the same events. So that can be a little bit confusing um, if, you know, but you just need to see that distinction 
there's kairos time, eternal time, natural time, and then there's chronological time, which is artificial time. And, you know, like, so in a, the new moon um, has in chronological time has been called the new moon instead of the dark moon. And we do use those handy chronological charts um, just for precision. But, you know, when the moon, is, when the night is dark and there is no moon that can be seen is the time for the night to venerate Hecate and to cast aside um, your own witchcraft, your own needs, and to focus on expressing your affection and gratitude and respect for Hecate, however you understand her. Um, so that's, so I mentioned the two parts of the book that I think you can do at a turn. Um, I talk a lot about spell categories in that chapter on spell work and the chapter on correspondences and, um, you know, really working with correspondences. If you need to, you know, if you're like, I need to do some spells now, I'm going to jump ahead. That's perfectly fine. Though doing, you know, spells are always more pure and more effective when we've done kind of like the commitment ritual, you know, when we've worked through the principles, when we are striving to be that kind of kindness that is fierce love, when we are acting with integrity and passion, when we are really in that space, it helps us to cast spells that are truer, that match, you know, like our present needs, and also at times align with our soul's purpose in this incarnation. So that is why like we start at the start and then build forward. But if you're like, I need to read this chapter on correspondences because I've got to write a spell, so I'm going to read correspondences and then spell and I'm going to work through that. That's certainly legitimate too. As you work through the book, if you have any questions, by all means, like I've mentioned before, reach out to me. And I will be happy to connect with you. I love hearing from you. Really, you know, as a writer um, and a teacher, but most of the time I'm writing, not teaching. Uh, as a writer, you know, I love hearing when people um, have experienced something, a connection with my words. So it's absolutely fantastic. So I thought I would end this little bit of an audio introduction to Keeping Her Keys with the Hecatean Chord Meditation. And I'm just going to begin by talking about the technique. So the technique of the Hecatean Chord Meditation is that we're unfurling the energies of the lower self, the middle self, and the upper self. Now these have three physical nexus that they come to. So for the lower self, it is our root. And for the middle self, it is our heart. I sorry, like sometimes the people think the root is kind of vague. So the root is really like the base of the spine, the pelvis, the reproductive area. The heart center is easy enough for most people to visualize. And then the crown is the physical focal point of our upper self and higher self energies. Now all three of these forces are always flowing through us in various degrees. Sometimes we get to underworld, sometimes we need to because we need to do healing work. Sometimes we're all way too up in our head so we have too much higher self energy. 
So these three chords are represented by the ancient Hecatean colors of black for the lower self underworld, red for the middle self and world, and white for the higher self and upper world. Red, uh, sorry, black as night, red as blood, white as stars. Now I want you just for a moment to see your body as these three forces. Just feel that these three forces, you know that you are your emotions, you are your intuition, those lower self things. You are an active individual. You are that red blood. If we think of our blood, how it becomes red once it interacts with the world, that's the middle self. The middle self is about interacting with the world. And then when we travel up to the higher self, you know, that's our intellect. It's our thoughts. And again, it's our, you know, understanding of mysticism and going in that direction. So these are the three forces that are always existing inside of us. These are the three chords, and the three chords have these energetic centers. Now, of course, each of the cells and each of the souls have a shadow component as well. So when you put them all together, there's really these um, three similarly colored sorry, three differentially colored chords, but each of those chords actually consists of three as well. And then they come all together in your unified whole that is both your corporeal self and your etheric self. And think about it that way. So we become this thing, but this thing is seen through these beautiful colors. And in the hub, you know, in their next eye, their home, all the excess that we don't, aren't using rests in a coil. And when we connect to the forces to connect, to do witchcraft or petition Hecate, we are unleashing these cords of understanding. So even when we're doing like a plant spirit working and we're casting a spell using something like mugwort or frankincense, we're unleashing those cords to connect to the energies of the plant. Those cords are how we interact with the world of form and force. So I'm going to just lead you through the meditation that's just a couple of minutes long, um, just to help you connect to those Hecatean chords within you and those um, all around us that run through us and are us and are so much more than us. So get comfortable. If you like. Uh, you could have previously like set up an altar with red, black, and white as a focal point. Your statue of Hecate, any of the spirits that you are connected to, or even spirits that you're just learning to be uh, connected to, ones you're building a relationship with. So set yourself up 
with whatever forces and spirits are calling to you right now. So when you're ready, I want you to just breathe regularly. Become aware of your breath. Not holding it, not stretching it, just awareness. So now begin to deepen your breath. Pulling it into your lungs, letting them expand strong, gentle. Now extend that deep, strong, yet gentle, firm, but calm breath into your belly, filling your belly. Now pull that breath all the way down, down through your legs, right down to your feet, the soles of your feet. Envision the black coil that is the energy hub of the lower self deep in your root swirling, spiraling, astrophilos itself. Sometimes our thoughts and emotions can prevent us, sorry, sometimes our emotions can prevent us and our thoughts become entangled with our emotions and we lack clarity or we're hanging on to emotions that no longer serve as you focus on the energy of the lower self release down through your legs any toxicity that you feel there in that spinning wheel of the lower self stretching down through your legs as you extend your roots naturally towards the earth deep deep into the earth going right down into Hecate's cave. Feel the release. Feel the blackness, the black flame of the lower self swirling and spiraling into the wheel, cleansed and energetic now. Stay connected with your black roots to the earth below. To the middle self now. The red fire wheel that is our energy center of our active self, governor of our behaviors. See that red wheel spinning. Noticing any toxics, 
within it. Any harmful behaviors you engage in. You're going to let those slide down through those roots into the earth. Where from Hecate's cave and deep within her cauldron of rebirth, they will be reborn into that which is necessary for the world to have. Now cleanse that beautiful red wheel of the middle self. Extends naturally to the world around you. Connecting to the material world. Now pulling your attention to your crown, your third eye. See that beautiful white fire spiral in your mind's eye. Any toxic thoughts, any blockages to developing your psychic skills. All these things are here and released. Sliding down past the middle self, deep into the earth to Hecate's cave in her cauldron. Once cleansed, Stretch, stretch that coil of yours, that higher self coil, up to the starry road, connecting to all the forces and spirits and Hecate of the upper world. Your three cords are now fully activated. Your wheels are cleansed and spinning and you are connected to all three worlds within and without. Rest here, being open receiving transmissions, messages. Such a beautiful time to be united with the forces around you and the forces within you, merging and dancing and blending sharing, cleansing, empowering. Now, let's begin the process of returning the coils to their rest. Pull down your upper world branches that stretch up to the higher, 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 higher celestial places. Knowing that you can connect again whenever you need to.
Now to your middle self, connected to the external world around you, the elements, the material world. Retract that cord with the same confidence that you can connect to the elements and the external forces anytime you need to. And now finally pulling up those beautiful black roots, returning the lower self to rest, coiled, your wheel remains. Feeling cleansed and empowered and true and whole. And whenever you are ready, you can open your eyes. Fully balanced, centered, grounded, activated, strong. So that is the technique um, for extending your Hecatean cords. And, you know, you can adapt this to whatever, you know, if you're petitioning Hecate, you can connect to her currents this way, the Hecatean currents that will lead you directly to her most times. You know, uh, it's all about strengthening those cords within us so we can really connect to those Hecatean currents that are external to us in the environment. So I thought I would share that technique, uh, which is from the intensive program, as a bonus for supporting Keeping Your Keys. I um, bless you in Hecate's name. Hail Hecate, guardian, guide, and gatekeeper. Cathonia Anodia Cleidocus. She who is all things that ever was and ever will be. And we celebrate us as Hecate's witches. So I'm just going to finish up by reciting the witch's prayer to Hecate. Mighty Hecate, Queen of the Witches, blessed am I to call myself one of your chosen. Mighty Hecate, Queen of the Witches, you are both the dark and the light. You are the way and you are the light along it. My Queen, holder of the keys of all creation. Mighty Hecate, Queen of the Witches, I stand before you in this liminal space that you created for us alone. Here in this place of the in-between, I feel the energy of the world. 
I see the vision of the future. I hold the wisdom of the past. Mighty Hecate, Queen of the Witches, you have bestowed upon me the power of the witch. Through the gifts of your sacred keys, I am the walker between the worlds, the spinner of the web of fate, the knower of your secrets, the student of your mysteries, the giver of your healing. Mighty Hecate, Queen of the Witches, my journey is a blessed one. Each key you give me unlocks great power. Grateful am I for all your keys. The key of acceptance for that which I cannot change. The key of courage to overcome adversity. The key of kindness for myself and others. The key of pain through which I discover my own strength. The key of suffering in which I found healing. The key of peace that brings me contentment. The key of wisdom so that I may live a life of truth. Mighty Hecate, Queen of the Witches, my witch's journey is a blessing. Through the darkness of the underworld, to the heights of the heavens, and the balance of everyday life. Through all situations, I honor you. In all ways, I honor you. For all time, eternal queen, I honor you. The Keeping Your Keys podcast is produced and hosted by me, Cindy Brannon. I'm a witch and psychologist living in coastal Nova Scotia, Canada. I've written several books about Hecate and also my very first book that's more of an introduction to Awakening the Witch Within. That one's called True Magic. My frequent guests on the show are guides from my school known as Covina, the Coven of Hecate. You'll be listening to them on different episodes And they are just an amazing group of witches that I am so happy to have in the circle of making this podcast a reality. Episodes usually explore something connected to the goddess Hecate. I became fascinated with the goddess Hecate so, so long ago. I do deep dives with different partners on goddesses and aspects of Hecate. Sometimes I do more psycho-spiritual episodes where I talk about constructs and how they intersect with the practice of natural magic. And frequently, you'll find meditations. If you're interested in learning more about my work, just go to keepingyourkeys.com. You'll find out more about my books, more about Hecate, and how you can join Covina, the Coven of Hecate. If you enjoy this podcast, be sure to follow it. I usually release new episodes every Thursday. 
And I would absolutely love it if you could rate and review the podcast. It is so, so helpful. If you have any questions or ideas for future shows, you can send them to info at keepingherkeys.com. Thanks so much for listening and hail Hecate.